right. Welcome to the Taiwanese Diaspora Podcast, Amy. I'm so excited to be able to do this with you live from Taipei. Yeah, me too. Thank you for the invitation. And it's really awesome. So I guess for context, for everybody who's listening, I'm in Taiwan right now. And I met Amy last week through a mutual friend. She and her husband run a startup, basically imported from Silicon Valley to Taiwan. Yes. We're going to be talking about that today, kind of curious about her life path, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. And then more about the startup and the app and what you guys are doing in the education and child development space. Yeah. Let's just start with an introduction to yourself yeah. and the company. All right. So hi, everybody. Um, I'm Amy. I am... Um, I am right now in Taipei uh, with my family. I am currently the CEO and founder of Penguin Smart, and uh, we have been on this Penguin Smart journey for the past six years at this point. And um, a little bit about my background. I'm from Taiwan, um, but I grew up in New Zealand, went to college in Beijing, went to, did master's in Boston, the Harvard and Sloan experience, and went to Silicon Valley for the startup experience. And now we're in Taiwan, bringing our startup uh, from Silicon Valley to Taiwan now. And in this process, I've managed to also have two other startups of having two little babies myself. So we have... Super cute. Yeah. So we now, uh, my husband and I started the company together. So now we say we have three kids. <laughs> And what is their company called? Yeah, company is called Penguin Smart. Um, we are a company that provides digital solutions and services for families with children with developmental issues, and we provide them parent-centered speech and language intervention help. Okay, so this is a lot. So let's start from the beginning of how you conceptualized this startup because mm-hmm. you have a medical background yes so maybe we can start there yeah so my personal background is that actually i have a medical training from beijing Peking university and i actually practice there i have my license there and i in in, in my journey i realized that there's a limitation to medicine the limitation is that it's very one-on-one and very downstream you're catching people when th- things are already at a clinically uh clinical state where they need um, treatments, where they need help. But there are so many things you can do before you get to that stage. So it's, and then I realized it's called public health. So my time, I was in Beijing for eight years. And in my time there, we traveled to so many places, backpacking to mountains, backpacking to, to the seaside. And one thing I realized that, you know, as much as you say, medicine is like, oh, doing medical outreach is awesome. But what actually stays with people is public health. So that really kind of inspired me to look at things holistically at a community level. And that kind of inspired me to go to Harvard. Um, one funny th- story when I applied for Harvard MPH was that they asked, they were asking like, what would you do with a degree? What do you, what do you aspire? What, what do you want? Uh, where do you see your life going? And I actually wrote, I don't know. I just know that um, the program may have the tools I need to figure things out, how to bring things to the community. And that was it. And that's how I started my journey. And now I call myself a public health practitioner rather than a clinician. Yeah, that's awesome. And which population did you want to serve initially? Did you have an idea? Did you want to focus on pediatrics or did you have other ideas before? Yeah, um, I think I think it was more of a interesting space that we landed in pediatrics because the whole Penguin Smart concept actually started in Sloan. 
Um, when we attended the development venture class and thinking about a solution that would impact 1 billion people. And so if it's 1 billion people, it must be very universal. And so from my medical background, and I personally being very passionate about uh, family and children's health, um, and people, other people in my team were of a tech background, of a uh, business background. One of the things was like, well, what is something that's super universal? Some, something like water, safety, health, and realize parenting, like every generation have to deal with their unique challenges to raise the next generation. And so that's kind of the angle we started with. How do we help this generation? What are some of the universal issues with this generation's parenting? And can we, can we provide some solution in a grassroots way to enable that? And I but think, you weren't a parent yet. No, I, yeah, that's true. That is true. That's really funny. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I've always been really passionate about um, pediatrics and um, family health. In fact, I'm actually a general practitioner in, in China. So kind of see how things are like for the family. And uh, I think even like I've always been very involved in like the pediatric research and like being hanging out at the pediatric ward, hanging out with, of all my internships, I loved being at the pediatric ward and with the kids um, being in, in the front line of a a uh, combination of the innocence and the hope and joy of a child, but also the despair of a parent, <laughs> which is a very interesting tension and that what I find really interesting. But when we first started with Penguin Smart, it was really about just what are the things that we can do and and parenting and realizing, diving into the detail of like, oh, first thousand days is a really critical time for families is is something that most people don't really realize they can really capture. Okay, so this is part of like a development ventures class. So maybe explain that a little bit. So this is part of an MBA program. Um, some of the other ventures classes that we are maybe familiar with at Sloan would be like energy ventures and you have maybe a randomly or a self-selected group of students that come together to develop some sort of startup concept, right? Do you wanna go into a little bit of that mm-hmm. and how how you landed on the Penguin Startup idea once you guys mm-hmm. decided on doing public health. Yeah, yeah. So Development Venture, this one is about finding a solution that would be widely applicable. And so unlike Energy Venture, unlike um, unlike um, other some other ventures where you have focused on specific verticals, this is a more broad. So it's like this is something you need to think about what would impact and benefit um, even potentially the bottom of pyramid economy. And so um, this is this class is attended by so many people that it's actually held by Media Lab. And so the idea oh, that's is, cool. I didn't yeah, know that. Okay. In Media Lab, so the idea is that there are so many people from different um, different uh, backgrounds and different uh, different um, majors and coming together to think about um, how to do solutions, how to think about like the last mile, think about transportation, think about water, things about food safety, weather, and so for us, health and safety was the was the focus that we we dived into, and. Um, um, the it, it's funny that we were thinking about a thousand days for a child's life. Um, we're two ways about it. One is the device based safety. How do we have a overall monitoring of safety of a baby? Um, and the other one is like how do we help parents to be able to look after the kids better? And one of the things we realized is that um, for this generation, whether you're something interesting is that whether you're um, poor or rich, there's always the tension of like there's not enough time to spend with your family anymore, no matter the so- the social economic status, whether you are a uh, wealthy family with um, you know really busy families, uh, white collar, you're still you're still very strapped in time, and because it's a global environment, uh, people are flying around from places. They don't really see the kids much. They don't see their families that much. The kids themselves are 
are involved in so many programs very early on in their age, and there's very little time for what we call the family education, for the family um, family um, ritual, family routines, family culture that really establishes um, and differentiates a lot of the children from other people, from what what's what would um, what would build the underlying safety the sense of safety, sense of security, sense of trust, sense of grit. And then a lot of that comes from fundamentally having that um, a very safe childhood, a very um, grounded childhood. And I think the, having a grounded childhood is something that is really hard to do nowadays for a lot of families in different culture and different status. Um, for the um, impoverished family, underprivileged family, you can imagine maybe there are too many kids, maybe the resource, there's not enough resources um, because of when... Um, various environmental challenges that's not really feasible but what that means is you know that's how we started the exploration but when we were diving into okay what is it that we can really help solve for that um grounding trust grounding bonding relationship realizes that well how about we just simplify it down to how do we help parents spend more quality time with the limited time they do have spend more quality time with their kids so they became okay well how about activities that stimulates the development that also is in, that are also engaging and it, it facilitates adult child interaction so then you build relationship together you build experiences together you build memories together and so that be, that was the initial idea of penguin smart and but as we were diving into it we want to add in like um, algorithms, recommendation engines of what kind of activities suitable for which child and realize for most parents they don't really care what kind of activities would be suitable. They don't even so customized. Backing up for just a second. So at this point of this development, did you guys already figure out you want to work on speech and language therapies? No, this is actually the first version of Penguin Smart. Okay. But we decided that um, helping parents to be able to utilize um, family time was the focus. From that perspective, for general parents, when they're thinking about family time, they're thinking about how to keep the kids occupied, how to have fun time. But they're not really thinking about, okay, this specific thing will do stimulate specific developmental areas. They're not at that level of thinking. Usually you don't need to be at that level. But only one group of people really, really, really emphasize that. It's the group of families that cannot reference general blogs and general content that actually do want customized recommendations what they can do with their kid. And that is the population where the kids do not grow according to the, oh, your child is six months. Yes. So those with delays, those with challenges, then the parents will be like, well, I can't reference any normal parenting uh, activities and games that would do. Like, so what what can I do to, to be more specific? Let's be customized for my child. And we're diving into that, realize actually this is, pediatric rehab at home so became early living home intervention for developmental delayed children and this is now in the in squirreling the space of health so i can really be able to um, take advantage of my own expertise and and dive into what we want to do awesome so then at that point where you guys are still in boston in the incubation phase like as part of this is all part of the like one semester process yeah um no the the one semester actually only got us to as far as having an idea that we should do something for to help parents um utilize um playtime after we moved to silicon valley with the initial idea of building a app for activities for parents we realized in our product market fit we realized that parents are not really willing to pay for customized recommendations they're very happy to download the free version it was that well at this age, you should be able to do this, right? So they're very happy to download this, this app. In fact, as we launched the freemium app, the 
the app um, became top 50 reference app <laughs> within a couple of months. Um, and um, But it's really hard for people to convert to the paid version because who would really have the need to have customized recommendation? And that's where we realize we probably need to we probably need to rethink and regroup. So this is this became the pivot, the the pivot that we had for Penguin Smart two two point So then, is this when you guys did the one hundred k challenge, or were you already in California? Yeah, that's already when we're in California. In fact, that was when we we're rethinking of we were thinking. Okay, well, the idea, the first idea, um, we need to pause and regroup and rethink this. And so then we regroup in 20, uh, 2016. How did you guys get funded? Did you guys get seed funding or did you guys pitch yeah. VCs? When we first initially had the idea to do a parent parenting app, um, it's called Penguin Smart Zero to Three Parenting App. Um, that was what we actually went through 100K with and MIT for the three rounds of ideas, um, the three rounds of competition, we actually got into semifinals and they gave us money and they said, um, you know, build something and then reimburse it to be able to get your price money. You can't just um, celebrate with a big banquet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so that's how we started the uh, the first iteration of building an app, and then that was actually you know at the time where mobile apps, um, uh, mobile health, all these apps are at the at its peak, right? And so everybody's building apps. Everybody wants to be an app company. Um, but then it's really interesting when we're in Silicon Valley and talking to different people, or we're talking to mobile app investors and all these things, and realize actually they they want us to rethink about rethink this whole hype about building apps because we were challenged that actually what we're doing is not an app. What we're doing is an online solution that could be in an app format, it could be in a blog format, it could be any format. It just that it happened so at that point, um, we had already decided it's gonna be an app, but is it really, does it really need to be an app? It's unsure. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, walk us through the rest. So then we're getting closer to now. Yeah, and so um, when we decided to relaunch Penguin Smart, the the position would be that we are launching it for the purpose of very development focused. And were you full time on this at this point? Yes, it was full time and relaunching it with a understanding that we the, the company will move as fast as the the most part time person. <laughs> As the founders, right? Yeah. So that is also where we decided if we're going to do this, um, then as founders, we need to do this at full speed, at full time. And we also decided that if we're going to do this, um, we really need to uh, really need to have a very clear um, idea of how it would fit into the mainstream system. It's not just an entertainment solution. It's how, how do we see ourselves fit into the greater education system, into the medical system. And so referencing credible scientific resources and um, uh, evidence-based uh, evidence-based content is becomes really important for us. So we're exploring, okay, in this space, in this field of providing customized content for special needs kids, this is actually special ed realm, in the realm of special ed, as well as the realm of pediatric rehab. Now, pick a vertical. Choose a vertical that you can start thinking about, like um, get having uh, champions, having academic rallying behind. So that's why we start exploring. Is it an OT, uh, occupation therapy? Is it a speech therapy? Is it behavior uh, training? Is it psychology? Is it um, physical therapy? And then so as we're interviewing different experts in the fields, um, we realize 80% of the developmental delay all impacts some form of communication challenge. Communication. I'm not. I'm not talking about just pronunciation. I'm talking about understanding, um, expressing, 
and actually not just understanding your words, but the context, the emotional context, the social context. So that all fall under speech and language therapy. And so that's that's what we realized, oh, this is something that, you know, one of the few type of therapy where it's not device-based. <laughs> it's really on helping people engage, interact, communicate, express themselves, understand others, and this is something that therapists all say that parents can really get into without having a lot of device and knowledge about how to do things, right? And in fact, as they get into it, we realize that parents, that is something that parents really want to, um, that's where they feel the most value because you can actually bond, communicate, you can understand your child, your child understand you, and that's kind of where the relationship starts forming. And so it's incredibly powerful to have parents of special needs kids to suddenly click and able to say I suddenly understand what my child wants and my child actually understand what I want and able to have that kind of emotional connection it's really powerful did you really really believe in the concept like did you already just have like the boldness that you needed self-confidence that you needed there's this kind of this challenge of like if you're coming up with a new idea trying to find backers could be pretty hard and at some point maybe some you could be like, well, I don't know, like have some self-doubts about if the direction is right, right? Like, did you ever have any sort of challenges on funding or just ideas? Because you were kind of iterating the along the entire time. And so you have to figure out when to pivot. Yeah. So for us, I think there's a, it's a, there's a very clear watershed shift between Penguin Smart 1.0 and 2.0. The 1.0 was very product-based, right? Build an app to get reimbursed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, so spend a lot of time just building the app and thinking, okay, well, this is this is what makes it live. This is debugging everything and trying to get it, like, UI acceptable, uh, UX friendly, and all that stuff. But the second iteration, we were like, we have to do a lot of market research first. We start um, through introductions. We interviewed a lot of the special needs families understand the old journey, understand what they have right now, what the kind of money they're spending. And um, very quickly, like ev- as- after asking, you know, a few, I have three people and each introduced another three, each introduced another three. And very quickly we got so many stories, horror stories of the uh, lack of resources, the, the, the gap disparity, the despair, the, um, the heartaches, the, burns all of these things is happening um, by parents of kids yeah. with special needs parents yeah. of special needs and actually so for me my background my medical background training was in china so we i really understood that in china a lot of my my own patients they they had epilepsy they had these like life-threatening journey as a young child and they they're left with these um impairments long-term impairments but because there's limited um, early intervention resources available. They would just go home and the parents just happy the kids are alive. But they lost their ability to speak, lost the ability to talk, I mean, to walk. Um, but all these are actually reversible if they had rehab resources, pediatric rehab resources, which they didn't. So in China, we knew that there is a huge gap, uh, structurally there's a huge gap in um, pediatric rehab resource. When we're interviewing families, we know some of the some of the heartaches they were going through. We know as an online solution, um, we're in the right place where there is, um, where um, the there is the largest population percentage of parents of first-time parents in China because it's one-child policy. Most people are only first-time parents, and all their experience is only their first child error, 
and non-success. So when when people are sharing about the experiences online, it's all, only one reference point of themselves. Uh, after talking to a lot of these families, um, we summarize that they really need professional guidance. They need customized guidance that they understand. So the professional guidance, not just like one to many, but that they can relate relate to the actual situation and someone they can turn to when there is a problem. So help on demand. So that kind of became the core of our design of like how do we help parents not to commute? How do we help parents to have something, have some thing, some resource, some one at you know by by their side as needed. So at some point you decided to move this to Taiwan. Is that because the demographic you are trying to serve is in Asia or in Taiwan specifically? Yeah, it's mainly. Or is that a lifestyle move? (laughs) Well, actually, we were. So at that point, we were in, in Silicon Valley, and we actually had backing from Alchemist Accelerator, one of the largest B2B accelerator. Um, well, actually not the largest, but they are like one pre- a very well-known and well-respected um, accelerator program. Just quickly on the funding side. So it was 100K you guys had mm-hmm. um, funding from that, mm-hmm. from the competition at MIT. And then you jumped into the accelerator. But was it self-funded otherwise? Um, yes, at that point we were self-funded. Okay. Um, so basically, Alchemist Accelerator were our first institutional backer, and um, really helped us have a more structured thought about startups, entrepreneurship, um, and, and venture in general. Okay. And they had like yeah. mentorships along the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then so because Alchemist Accelerator is like a platinum accelerator, ranked platinum accelerator, and so I think at that point when we we're doing a pitch, um, we were at Demo Day there. Um, the Taiwan Ministry of Technology, uh, they had sent people to to visit and to, to learn about the Silicon Valley. That's fascinating. To learn about the Silicon Valley um, ecosystem. And so that that cohort, uh, the Dai Biao Tan, right, the cohort, they were, um, they were visiting the demo day. And then they were so surprised to see Taiwanese founders pitching. And they... But did, is that part of the story that you told at the beginning? Or was it like the demo? Because the demo, I presume, was in English, right? Or It was in English, okay. yeah. And so, but, so they, were, they were visiting Silicon Valley to learn from the ecosystem and see what they can bring back and stuff. And as a part of it, um, they are so surprised that I'm a Taiwanese founder, right? So they're surprised that I was, they were pitching and they were, they couldn't believe it. Because I think in Taiwan, the startup system is very much government grant driven, government competition driven. And so it's weird for some startup that the government would not have heard about you in some way. And so they were so shocked to see us get their own out own <laughs> get on the that's stage like the american own. startup like, yeah the americans like yeah. you just hustle and find a way to get things done and you know we, we get don't some f- friends and family money to right start. right yeah. and then so for us to be able to be on stage and pitching and they like they're really impressed by the by the story they were impressed by the uh, the idea and they were they i think they're just like so curious the fact that you know how, how do you as a taiwanese founder get on stage and then the funny one question they asked me was did you apply to alchemist yourself I'm like, is the other way to do it? But apparently, that's what happens now that I'm Taiwan and understand about the ecosystem. Um, oftentimes, use these collaborations with different program to program collaborations, government program to other external program collaborations, and where they will funnel and they will recommend teams to various international programs. You can't just like apply. You can, but okay. most people don't get to do that themselves. They most people need some push. Interesting from these programs, and so for them, they're 
they're surprised to see that people can hustle their way into Alchemist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so from that, they, um, they took a note. And then later on, when they were building, well, they were launching the Taiwan Tech Arena space um, the, in, in Xiaojudan and Taipei, um, they invited seven different accelerators to, to enter to bring teams on board. And so we also happened to know one of the accelerators that was starting off. And so we became one of the first batch of companies being invited back and in, invited into that site um, through a Ministry of Technology as well as the uh, B accelerator who became our backer as well. Oh, that's awesome. So they basically like <laughs> invited you, yes. Yes. lured you back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for us, um, at that point, we have been working out of Silicon Valley in Asia hours <laughs> for for um, one or two years at that point. And because so your demographic was and focusing China. on Asia. Yes. Okay. Yes. We're focusing on Asia, focusing on Chinese market. Um, and that's kind of, so we were working really strange hours. So we had to do these like quarterly travels to China and they were like, okay, this is not really sustainable. Maybe at one point we should have a base in Taiwan so we can do a quick jump. That was pre-COVID, right? And so so that's why, okay, let's plan to eventually move to Taiwan to be our base and then it's a jumping board to go then establish the marketing and sales team in China to keep pushing forward with things. And so we had that plan and then that plan got accelerated when I found out I was pregnant. And then I need to, okay, really, we need to think about if I only have a few hours a day to work, do I want to spend it at 2 a.m. in the morning or 2 p.m. in the afternoon? Mm, yeah, <laughs> very practical. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fascinating. So we moved back to Taiwan, um, moved to Taiwan to like set up shop basically for long term in late 2019. Yeah, before that, we were just back and forth traveling. So we had an office co-working space office seats when we come when we travel through Taiwan we will go there and work so we have a place to work a place to meet but uh, really relocated and really established um, the presence in late 20, 2019 yeah okay that's awesome and then, so then COVID started and so it's like well I guess we're very fortunate we just stayed because it's open it was open in Taiwan yes, at the time yeah. open in Taiwan so we're able to like build a team in person build um take advantage of like what is a in how do we build in-person culture how do we think about processes and all these things and, and focusing on r&d um, as every everywhere else was shut down we're able to focus on that so what would you say is your greatest learning so far and what are your hopes for what you see the next couple of years to be or what would you like penguin smart to to be able to do um one of the one actually the oh sorry Backing up from the, um, just wrapping up from the last conversation, after COVID, there were a lot of different changes. I realized that because the overall telehealth and teletherapy space had really opened up and thrived abroad. And so we took this as an opportunity for us to really focus on the U.S. market again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, now, so now we're really um, taking advantage of the telehealth and the telehealth growth um because you get reimbursed by health insurance yes okay. so now we are pushing forward in the u.s um pushing forward being a part of school districts a part of a part of government procurement regional center procurement pu pushing with employee benefits and um, really uh, working with families from uh, in the u.s in different places that can't be very easy i mean the healthcare system in the u.s it's is very, very complex different. yeah yes it's very different but um, i think we'll go back to the fundamentals of what uh, what parents go through. A lot of the lessons we learned uh, while we we're serving in China, uh, families in Asia, um, actually they are very quite applicable abroad, right?
right? So as we were serving families in China, I realized we expanded into Chinese families abroad, expanded into expat in China, expanded into multilingual families, expanded into just like families going through transition, third culture families. So, and realize a lot of the challenges they go through, especially we're focusing on zero to six, right? Zero to six means that they're the the language development is less about culture, but it's more about just brain development. So you kind of you get down to the very basics. What are the foundations of communication? Foundations of physiological ability of communicating.、Um, you know,、uh, emotional understanding,、uh, understanding emotions, facial expressions, context, atmosphere understanding. These are actually not so culture. Specific. It's more of a fundamental human ability, and so that's how we're able to continue to、um, expand and work with families from such a wide range of backgrounds and languages and dialects. And in fact, for us to work with families、um, right now, actually our model is to work with parents, help the parents to have the tools and the know-how and the、um, tips on what to, they can do with their kid at any given time throughout the day, and so. That means then, as long as the the coach that they're working with speaks with a licensed therapist, yeah,、okay. a licensed therapist.、Um, or right now, it's a licensed therapist leading a coaching team. So we have their therapy assistants, we have their coaching staff that works with the parent, and they can have you know the adult can be communicating one language, but whatever language the adult communicates with the child, it's up to the up to the parent.、Mm, that's cool. Yeah, so yeah. then we can bypass a lot of that,、um, of these language barriers between the therapist and the child. Yeah, especially、right. at a very young age. I think the benefit of、um, working with families,、uh, parents directly, also is that for young kids, it's really hard for them to build trust with、um, outside people. Especially if you think about two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and they're that the time where, you know, if you think about a two-year-old, one-year-old, they don't want other people to hold them. Right, they don't. They don't want strangers to hold them. They don't get. They don't get chummy to a strangers very quickly. And so, what do you do when they need medical, like therapy help? It means most of the therapy session is spent on building relationship, getting the kids to relax, getting the kids to trust the guy and trust the therapist, and then hopefully guide them to do something. And after you get used to it, well, see you next week. <laughs> you have to start again, warm up again, and so oftentimes not very effective, right? So then that's one of the things that parents have told us that they like they take so much effort just to get kids out the door to the clinicians, and and then they are there for thirty minutes. They are waiting outside, but then then you go in and realize the kids was wailing the whole time, and most of the session is busted. But then the next kid is waiting, so they gotta go, right? And so, is it really effective? Not necessarily. It was a lot of cost. Absolutely, a lot of time commitment, a lot of energy commitment. But、um, if if these energy was spent on just let's not commute, let's just spend time reading more books at home. If the parents themselves have the skills to engage with the kids, and the kids are in a relaxed environment, natural environment, then they are much more responsive. They're much more responsive than if they were to to be taken to a、um, artificial environment. So I want to wrap up on this one because we're、yeah. getting close. But、yeah. I mean, that's like a really fascinating journey of life as a founder、mm-hmm. of an education therapy、mm-hmm. startup.、Mm-hmm. What do you foresee as the next、mm-hmm. challenges, or how do you want to grow the、yeah. business, or what sort of other markets you want to tackle? Have you thought about that yet? Yeah, yeah. For us,、um, we really want to、um, have a strong. We've been abroad. Um, for us, we've been 
um, we have accumulated a lot of experience, experience working with families directly. And for us, the next stage is really for us, how do we become a, a part of the ecosystem that is mainstream supporting families on a going basis, right? So that's exploring how do we become a part of the solutions for for the special education system? How do we become a solution? How do we work with clinicians, existing medical systems? How do we become a support for them in that system? So we're not we're not just a um, unorthodox alternative side solution, but how do we become a part of the real real network of help? for the families and so i think that's kind of the challenge right because in that your consideration is different the consideration is about like who are the stakeholders what what do we bring to the value chain where do we sit where do we stand in the value chain yeah because then it'd be more like just working with healthcare providers and Mm -hmm. insurance companies as opposed to directly with therapists and parents yes and basically then then the question will be like whose money are we saving to out are we helping to save? Whose time are we helping to save? Whose energy are we helping to save? Right. We know ben- parents are benefiting. Who else? Right. Who else? Uh, who else is um, gaining? Is able to see benefits from a more involved um, parent-centered intervention model? And so um, that's why I feel like actually this is something that we do need to get used to. And also the business model is different. Right. We work with directly with families. It's more a B two C sales model. But if you work with companies, you work with hospitals, you work in their procurement cycle, you work in their processes, um, you work in their reimbursement policies. Right. So there's a lot of like the a lot of uh, overhead on top that we need to learn and really need to figure out. And as a startup, we need to figure out. We need to learn how to um, have enough ammunition to be able to wait the time out because the process may be longer and the, the sales cycle is just so much longer, um, more tedious, and um, it's not as apparent. And so as a startup, do we have enough, um, do we have enough um, armory? And, you know, do we have enough uh, in, in, our, in our own resource that we can, we can push through until the next procurement cycle? Can we have the... Um, can we have the funding? Can we have the capacity to to ensure that we're able to deliver for something that's like uh, maybe a whole year out, right? So that's something that we are learning as well. Yeah. So if there are people who are listening, if they want to learn more about Penguin Smart, where should they go and how should they connect? Yeah, they should um, definitely come to a website, um, mypenguinsmart.com. Um, we have in simplified Chinese, uh, traditional Chinese and English. And um, can send us, shoot us an email at hello at mypenguinsmart.com. And um, for us right now... Is the app live as well? The solution, the service right now, uh, it's an online solution. Um, it's We're serving people ongoing and t- in fact today um, we were just looking at our back um, our dashboards and, and backend stats and realized we just hit the very um, very uh, big milestone of we've cr- we've created and s- and sent out um, over 9,000 individual education plans so far congratulations yeah thank you and so it's a really big thing for us to be able to say that we've um, follow through with these families for so so long and to be able to provide these things and right now we do have an opportunity for people to be involved we, for those who are in Taiwan um, in, um, with a Taiwan ID or ARC we'd love for you to join us we have a few days countdown to a crowdfunding where we actually selected a top 50 social impact enterprise in, in Taiwan and we're in a competition in the running for the top 20 and so 
Yeah. So exciting. <laughs> Very excited because it is a combination. This is under the digital bureau where it's a social impact utilizing technology. So how do you use technology to impact the underprivileged community? And so this is a full circle back to when we first started in development ventures. What is a solution? What's a grassroots solution that can help families who are who are under resources? And so um, this particular project, we're actually collaborating with nonprofits, collaborating with other um, social work, uh, social work organizations, and early clinical early intervention centers, including NTU, including uh, Chang'e University Hospital, including other Shiltown Hospital and other hospital where they have early intervention centers. Um, these uh, these early intervention screening and diagnosis centers, they have usually have a long wait list for kids to be able to be on their assessment, um, six to eight months wait. And then after that, they, uh, there's a yet another six to eight month wait until they can actually receive treatment. And so within the population, um, they also recognize that there are a lot of families who the parents themselves are not able to actually travel regularly in person to bring the kids to in-person sessions as well. And so it's not just about time issue, resource issue. It's a availability issue as well so then for us to be able to connect with these families remotely just over their phone um online and to be able to just coach them and follow up on them and help them have um tips and plans and and exercise goals for them to work with their kids at home is really invaluable and so so what will happen is that with these families we will uh, after these families are referred to us through these nonprofits and through these hospital um, networks and we'll work with the families for four to five months to help them establish new routines um, interaction behavior routines for the parents um, and hopefully it will it will help them to be able to work with their kids and cover for some of the gaps that they have not able to take their kids to clinical sessions yeah okay so this is part of the crowdfunding yes okay yes cool yeah so this is this is focusing on this is focusing on working with families that are uh, have special um, underprivileged, uh, the special fits the special criteria on top of the kid they're having development delay. Yeah. Okay. So how many days do they have? A couple of days. We like have we have a week. Okay. <laughs> all right. So well, all the information's on your website then. Yes, we have okay. information on our website. We have a week, and we'd love for you to to participate. And this is actually a vote with your money type of competition. So it is ranked by how many people participate and not so much about the amount, but so much, but more about how many um, people actually participated in this program. So we love to have people support. Um, every bit helps. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Amy. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Any last words before we drop off? Yeah, I think one of the most common question we have when we're talking to the general family is that how do I know my child has these challenges like if uh, or um, is it too late for me and I, I think um, the the answer is the answer is it's never too late it's never too late for the parents to want to connect with their kids it's never too late to want to build better communication habits that will enhance um, they will enhance their skills never too late to build um, communication tactics that will enhance your relationship because um, you only, as parents, you only have so much time with your kid. You only have so much time. For your child, they only have so much time as well um, before they need to move on to deal with the bigger challenges of life. 
And so we really want to encourage people to um, take early childhood time um, very serious and and be encouraged that you know if you even if you think you don't know how to play with your kid, if you know even if you don't know how to work with your child, um, trust in that you have a fundamental advantage that they they fundamentally want to engage with you. They fundamentally want to build a relationship with you, and that's more important than anything else in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Can you say Penguin Smart with a New Zealand accent too? Yes, I can. Hi, I'm Amy. I have a company called Penguin Smart. <laughs> okay, okay. And that's it for today. Please send me a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at TWDIASPORA or shoot me an email. It's hello at TaiwaneseDiaspora.com. And if you or other people you know have stories that they'd like to share on this podcast, please send them my way as well. Some of you have asked about how to support the show. So if you are inclined, go to coffee ko-fi.com slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a to donate and if you like to read check out my book recommendations at bookshop.org slash shop slash t-w-d-i-a-s-p-o-r-a and 10% of the proceeds will come back to support the show all right see you next time